Pastor Ed Taylor on where to keep our focus in these difficult last days. These are worse than the days of Noah, man. This is, this is wild. The days in which we live are just wild and out of control. Prepping the world for an Antichrist. Prepping us to see Jesus Christ. Do you know the Bible never instructs the church to look for the Antichrist? The Bible always instructs the church to look for Jesus Christ. He's the blessed hope. He's the one that we're hoping for. He's our fulfillment. He's going to keep his promises. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. The Lord told us through his word that in the last days there will be scoffers. They'll mock and ridicule the idea of Jesus returning and of a coming judgment. It's not hard to see that around us, is it? Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will point out that we're living in the last days and Jesus is coming soon. So how are we to live with this in view? Let's talk about that now as we turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Take your Bibles, open them to 2 Peter chapter 3. We start a new chapter Today, 2 Peter chapter 3 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Jesus is Coming Again. Isn't that great news? Yeah. Jesus Christ is coming again. We can look up, our redemption draws near, and I've shared this before, but it's worth repeating again. I really do believe we're living in the last days. Now, you can take that statement and you, you, it can motivate you to respond in a lot of different ways. But we are living in the last days, the final days leading up to the imminent any moment return of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church are upon us. And we're seeing things in our generation that we've never seen before. Things surrounding Israel, technology increasing, knowledge increasing, globalism right in front of us. With our eyes, we can see it and experience it. One world systems being set up. And the list can go on and on. We looked at them in depth when we were studying through Daniel. And we taught that series on understanding the time not too long ago. I mean, even from the time we taught Daniel, things have changed and increased. And they're happening so rapidly. And Jesus made it clear in Matthew chapter 24 in verse 36. Listen, he said, of that day... An hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Nobody knows the timing of the return of the Lord, the exact time. But there is an expectancy that we know the times and the seasons, the surrounding times. Jesus talked about and he rebuked the religious rulers of the day. He says, you guys, you pay so much attention to the weather. And you can look up and see and generally predict what the weather will be. But you don't understand the spiritual times in which you live. And I think that's true for us here in Colorado, isn't it? We become little personal weather experts, you know, like, like we are meteorologists now. And we can predict the weather and, and even get upset with those trained with predicting the weather when they always get it wrong. Like we would do much better than that. 
And here we are understanding and interested. I, I, I have to say this. I was never interested in the weather until I moved to Colorado. And it became something super interesting to me. And all the different things and all the different ways that the seasons come and all, all the little words. It became interesting to me. But I do know this. Since I was a new believer, I have been interested in the coming of the Lord. I have been interested in meeting my maker. To live expectantly. I have been taught from a very early age as, an un, as a new believer to expectantly live like Jesus could return at any moment. And I think it's God's will for every generation to live that way, to live expectantly. Peter, as he writes here in 2 Peter, right, wants us to make this a priority in our lives and in our minds and in our thinking in these last days. We, we often refer to this as the blessed hope. You can jot it down. I'll read it to you in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Titus said, Paul writes to Titus, he says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only is it a blessed hope, but number two, it's a joy-filled hope. In Isaiah 25, verse 9, it says, and it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. It's also a purifying hope, number three. In 1 John 3, 3, it says, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And finally, number four, it's a motivating hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, we studied it earlier. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found a praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a motivation to be seen, to see the Lord. So as we jump into this third chapter, remember Peter is giving us insight on the character and the actions of false teachers in the first two chapters. Now he's dealing with their teachings. And, and these false teachers, remember, we, they showed up in a time of great vulnerability. The audience that Peter's writing to is struggling. The government's cracking down on them, blaming them for things. It, it's a mess. And they're on the run, struggling and suffering greatly. And the false teachers love to take advantage of vulnerable people. They love to take advantage of hurting people. They love to offer answers when there are no answers. They love to twist teachings to, so that they might draw people after themselves. And Peter said, don't have anything to do with that. Now listen, church, for us as a church family, we're going to finish 2 Peter soon and we'll go right into Jude. Same exact topic, false teachers. It seems as if the Lord wants us to know right now in these days to watch out for false teachers and false teachings. As we go through the book of Jude, the Lord is leading us to what is important in times of uncertainty? What should be our priorities? What should we be looking out for? And we're going to be surrounded, as we are even now, by mockers, scoffers, and a world that's demonstrating more of an anti-Christ spirit than ever before. I want to take a moment just to make the distinction for you, if you haven't heard it before, between the Antichrist, capital A, a person, 
the one world ruler that will come at the end of the age or at the end of the time after the rapture. I mean, I think he'll be alive before the rapture. He'll come in the last seven years of human history and be that one focal point where the world will clamor for a leader, the Antichrist. But I want you to know that there are also an Antichrist spirit or what you could say many Antichrists. Let me show you. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2, would you? you? Hold your place in 2 Peter. We'll get there. But 1 John, it's just to the right, chapter 2 in verse 18. 1 John 2, 18. John is writing in the latter times of his life to a group of believers, and he addresses them in verse 18. Little children, this is a term of endearment in the original language. It's a tender word for kids. It's almost like, you know, he's in his 90s. Some suggest perhaps in his hundred, in his, you know, over 100 years old. And he's like, okay, kids, draw near. I have something to share with you. Okay, kiddos, listen. It is the last hour. And you have heard, capital A, that the Antichrist is coming. And notice what he says. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Many antichrists precede the antichrist. That's why you're seeing a lot of activity that simply is against. That word anti has two meanings. Anti in its traditional definition means against. So you're going to see a lot of teachings, a lot of behavior, a lot of rules, a lot of laws, a lot of people directly against Christ. That shouldn't surprise us. But in the last days, many antichrists, and that was happening in the first century. How much more now, 2,000 years later? Not only will you see an increase in those activities and people against Christ, but secondly, the definition of anti can also be defined in place of. In place of. So you'll see doctrines and teachings that will try to replace the true teachings of Christ. So not only things just coming up right up against the face of Jesus, but also teachings that are undermining the truths of Jesus. Why I've been encouraging us as we get back to basics as a church, read your Bible every day, church. Read it every day. Don't just read it for five minutes, devos. But I mean, if that's all you got, man, give it to the Lord. But I know you got more than five minutes. Don't read it like legalistically either. Well, you know, pastor told me I had to. No, I'm begging you to read your Bible every day. I'm begging you to open up, especially in the Gospels. Follow Jesus every day. Pay attention to what he says. Pay attention to how he says it. Pay attention to what the atmosphere, who is he addressing? Why is he saying it? I mean, one of the things I've been reading Luke, because we're in Acts, so I went back and just started Luke again, because you learned just this last weekend, uh, the book of Acts is the second part of the gospel of Luke. They go together. So I went back, and I've just been reading again from the beginning with Luke, and as I'm following along with Luke, as he lifts Jesus up as the true man of God, and just listening to him, how he dealt with, once again, how he dealt with the religious leaders, with the hypocrites, He didn't like the hypocrisy that was happening in his name. He didn't like it. And I don't believe he likes it now. Many antichrists. If it was true in John's day, then you can believe it's true and closer now. John firmly believed that he was living in the last days. And I believe it's it's that every age of Christians are to live continually believing that they are in the last days. 
Because the last days started truly at the day of Pentecost. As soon as the church was born, the last days began. And we've been in 2,000 plus years of last days. And as Peter, we're now closer than we have ever been. We are closer now than we were an hour ago. <laughs> of, the last, of the coming of the Lord is closer than it's ever, begin, ever been in the history of mankind. And God was very specific throughout his word in wanting us to pass on the urgency of the days in which we live. Living expectantly is required of us. Antichrist, capital A, refers to a person. But there are also these little antichrists. When I say the spirit of antichrist, I mean an atmosphere of antichrist, not a literal false spirit, but an antichrist spirit, an atmosphere. It goes back to the Garden of Eden where introducing lies to human beings to not believe God, to doubt God. And the spirit of Antichrist is behind every false teaching, every false doctrine, everything that's trying to undermine the goodness. And the spirit of Antichrist is in the world today, prepping and preparing the world for the appearance of the Antichrist, clamoring for someone to save them from their lawlessness, someone to save them from their confusion. They're always going to look to man. That's why it's false for us as believers to look to man to save us. Only the man Christ Jesus can save and rescue us. The governments of man will not save us. Not even a politician will save us. Now, you realize that, right? <laughs> you realize that. I, 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 I want to convince you, you can't look to man. That is the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is prepping people to look to a man to save them. A man will not save this world. The return of Jesus Christ will set things in motion for the redemption and the restoration and the rebuilding of a world that's gone far overboard. Just like the days of Noah, the Bible says. These are worse than the days of Noah, man. This is, this is wild. The days in which we live are just wild and out of control. Prepping the world for an antichrist. Prepping us to see Jesus Christ. Do you know the Bible never instructs the church to look for the Antichrist? The Bible always instructs the church to look for Jesus Christ. He's the blessed hope. He's the one that we're hoping for. He's our fulfillment. He's going to keep his promises. Let me read to you in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Yes, we're going to be in chapter 3 of Peter very shortly here. But I want to prep you as we jump in so you understand. These are the days in which we live. You've got to understand this. In verse two or three of chapter two of second Thessalonians, it says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin, another name for the Antichrist, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, another name for the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You have both definitions of anti right in these verses. He's both going to oppose, come against, and also present himself as a replacement. Both of them in this section. Now as you read through the Bible, living in the last days is important. We don't, we don't have an escapist mentality that's caught up with some ages of the church. Like, well, you know, the rapture is going to take place. Let's just run our credit cards up and live recklessly. The Bible never in, 
that never encourages living recklessly, but living righteously. You got to know the difference between recklessly, righteously. Living in holiness or hopelessness. And holiness will always lead you to do the right thing. To invest not a wasteful life, but a life that's invested in that which is eternal. And we believe here at Calvary, if you're brand new to us, first few months, first couple weeks you're here, we believe in the imminent, absolute, soon at any time return of Jesus Christ. We are looking to him to return and fulfill his promises. That in his first coming, he fulfilled 300 plus predictions and prophecies from the Old Testament. 300 fulfilling exactly how God said it would happen. And I believe that he will fulfill the rest of prophecies and promises in his second coming and the rapture of the church and his return to rule and reign for a thousand years. All right, let's listen to Peter now. With that in mind, we have John. Let's come to Peter now. And then we'll get to Jude in future studies. Verse 1, chapter 3. Beloved, see a similar introduction as what John said, little children. You have to understand Peter's writing with a tenderness here. He's writing with a tenderness about serious matters. And he says, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, and he quotes, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So come back to verse 1. He says, beloved, I'm writing this second letter to you because I want to stir up and remind you. This isn't the first time Peter talked about reminding. He talked about that in verse chapter 1. This is a tool that every good teacher is going to use. Repetition, 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 where until you know it, you're going to repeat it. And so he said, I want you to forget all the things that I've taught you, all the things that you've learned. And repetition is something that Peter uses a lot and any good teacher will. So much of Bible study is repetition. That's why many of you just set the Bible aside. I've heard it before. I've heard it before. Why Bible study isn't so palatable to many. Oh, I heard it before. I heard it before. But the thing is, is God always has a fresh word for you. The word of God is not going to change. It is established. The Bible says that it's been delivered once and for all. The faith has been delivered once and for all. We've been admonished not to add or subtract. The Bible has been given to us. It's not going to change. But God, how he uses it in your life, it's going to change. Because you're going to be at different stages in life. You're going to be at a different place. The application is going to be different wherever you are in life. Whatever God's doing in your life. Whatever's happening, being beat down by the world. And you, you can't just say, oh, I've heard it before. You haven't heard it before in this way. That's why, you know, when somebody like, well, you know, I read the Bible straight through 20 times. Well, okay. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, what does that mean? You should go 21 then. 22. 23. In the word continually, because God has a fresh word for you. Even as you come to Bible study and you just, you know, okay, I'll just come to Bible study. No, come expectant. Come ready to receive. Come, uh, come with, a, with an attitude of, Lord, I, I read the text. Uh, you know, sometimes you even read the text and go, man, I don't know how he's going to get anything out of that text. But the Lord has something for you. I don't know what, you know, when we were studying through Leviticus many years ago, Leviticus, yeah, God, God has a very precise system of worship, a desire for us to worship the right way. 
Yeah, it's different for us. We're not living under the old covenant anymore, but we need to understand the old covenant in order to understand the new covenant. So Leviticus is super relevant for us. Even as Peter is repetition, repetition, repetition. And what are we, what's, what are we reminded the most of in the scriptures? God's faithfulness, his character, his goodness. You need to know more of who he is, how he operates. God reminds us of his holiness and his commandments for us to live a holy and righteous life. Let me just say this. The cradle of every cult and false teaching is rooted in a sinful part of us that's always interested in what's new. Like we always have to have something new. And you know, in a culture like ours, the marketers totally understand this. This is new and it gets our ears new, something new. It's something new. And, you know, they don't need to really even make that much. I forget, I read an article not too long ago. Like, they don't even have to make that substantive of a change to call something new. I, I mean, they could change one little ingredient or one little, and then they get your attention new and improved. Uh, it's probably not as new as you think it, but now they got your attention. And what do they do with it? This is the same with false teachers. You got to be careful. They, they prey on the same thing. Especially those of you that, you know, commercials influence you and you're just like, man, I didn't know I, I didn't even know that existed. I didn't, now I didn't even know I wanted it. I didn't even know I wanted something that I didn't even know existed. That's what commercials do to you. I didn't even know I wanted it. I didn't even know it existed. Now I'm going to go get it. And here's what the cults do. The cults go, oh, you know, uh, the, the, the gospel has been hidden all these years and, you know, our founder has a new truth that's been hidden and we've got the new thing. It's a new thing. It's a new thing of an old thing that was hidden. And you know, your pastor, he doesn't, he doesn't know about this book or, you know, that church, they don't teach right, but we do. And, and we want to share something new with you. And you know, when you're in a church for a long time, you're walking with the Lord for a long time, you're kind of plowing along, plodding along for a long time. You get interested in new things. Oh, okay, I'll listen to that. Oh, okay, I'll receive that. When there's really, the Bible says, there's nothing New under the sun. Nothing new substantively. There's nothing new that will um, somehow be hidden. And now we're the only group that knows this. And just trust us on this. We're the only ones that know this. No. It's not new truth that God will give us. It's a new experience in the old truth. It's not some new truth. That God will give us a new, a new application of how to use something. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this message again? If so, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our app and podcast. Search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Pastor Ed, we have just a couple more days to talk about this month's very helpful resource, Ebenezer Stones. Can you give our listeners the Cliff Notes version before I give them the ordering details? Larry, what a great book this is. It's a sister from our church that uh, it, the topic of Ebenezer Stones just really ministered to her. And so she wrote a book and published it, uh, and, and the purpose is to encourage the discouraged. She says it's easy to get focused on your problems and difficulties, and then when that happens, your focus isn't on the Lord anymore. And so this, this is a sister uh, that's been worshiping with us for many years, um, just a phenomenal woman of God, and she talks about 
using ordinary stones to remind us of God's faithfulness. And the book will take you on a journey, uh, bringing you into a deeper relationship with the Lord, changing you from the inside out, you know, God providing, guiding, protecting you. And it's a great book. I'm so glad that she finally finished it and printed it and published it. And it is just one of those rare gems, no pun intended with the rocks, the stones, you know, uh, one of those rare gems that will bless you and encourage you. Uh, and I think unless we would have announced it, you probably wouldn't have found this book. Uh, so grab it, uh, you know, wherever you get books. Uh, if you want to support the ministry here, great. But add this to your spiritual library. It's important. That's why we do these books. You know, the reason I choose monthly books is because I want to help you build a spiritual library. I want you to be strengthened in the inner woman and the inner man. And this book is a good one. It'll help you go deeper and grow you in the things of God. To request a copy of Ebenezer Stones, just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. It's yours today for a gift of $25 or more to help us remain a biblical voice on this station of yours. Be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 2 Peter. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.